0: In our search for God, the, uh, the idea that our speech, either toward each other or toward him, uh, is important, it comes to bear with several things that we find in the scripture. In Proverbs chapter 6, there's a list of things that the Proverb writer, I believe it's Solomon, said, there are six things that the Lord hates. No, seven things that the Lord hates. That's strong. That's strong. And we should probably pay attention to a list like this because we don't want to be doing the things that God hates. But listen to this list. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. We see this list, and there's seven things the Lord is, is said to hate, and two of them involve this idea of lying, not telling the truth, false witness, a lying tongue, This is important, because there's only one thing that Scripture says God cannot do. Scripture says God cannot lie. He's capable of everything else, but not that. And then the question needs to come to your mind, am I capable of lying? Maybe the better question is, why have I lied? And then did we make an attempt to justify it in some way? Well, God has a very strong feeling about lying. The scripture tells us that the father of lies is Satan himself. The very first thing we see Satan doing there in the garden is lying. Sadly, Eve was deceived. Adam sinned. And because of that, the consequence of that sin and the consequence of that lie uh, we we die physically we grow old and die well lying is described or is we're told in scripture came from satan himself he's the father of lies and so when we understand the importance of how we use our language and how we use our tongue and what we say and how we say it these things then become very important because the very last book of the Bible, revelation 21, it lists several things that are described as those who will not enter heaven. There'll be those individuals who will not be there uh, enjoying all of what God has prepared. I just want to read this list and it's in revelation chapter 21 and it's verse eight. Notice what the author there uh, reveals to us, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, of all the things that are listed in that particular verse, Revelation 21.8, eight. <clears throat> Everything seems to be horrible until you get to that one. Liars. Whoa. Because all of a sudden, all those things that seem so far off, all those other sins that seem so detestable to us, everything that is listed in Revelation 21.8, when it comes down to lying, all of a sudden, I'm in the picture. You're in the picture. That can't be good. All liars, they're destined for hell. All liars. That can be serious trouble. Now, Scripture tells us that of all the things that are part of this creation, that God has created for us to enjoy all the things that are here for our benefit, the one thing that cannot be tamed, James tells us it's the tongue. We can take a massive killer whale, put it in a large pool of water, and train it to do something for us, for our entertainment. We can capture live animals, put them in zoos, and go visit them at at will. Uh, We can tame just about anything, everything in creation, except this little member in our body called a tongue. This is very important because Jesus would say, He would tell us that the words that we speak, the things that we say, even how we say those words, will be held accountable. That means he's going to take note of everything that we say, all the things that we utter, all the words that come out of our mouth. He's going to have a little list and he's going to say, well, I remember when you said this. The beauty of this whole scenario for those who are in Christ, for those that have been immersed for the forgiveness of their sins, for those who have become Christians, those that have obeyed the commands. We're told in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so as we attempt to tame our tongue, as we attempt to make that difficult uh, maneuver to take control of, of how we say things and what we say, we have that to fall back on, thankfully, because all of us, I believe, none of us would make the cut without the very grace of God, without his intervening on our behalf with the blood of his son. And when we come in contact with that blood, that sin is removed. But I find this very interesting. Paul would write to the saints in Ephesus and he would say things like, Don't even talk about obscene things. Don't even uh, talk about foolish things. Don't even have coarse jokes, what we might call dirty jokes. Those things are what's coming out of our mind. And the very sound that comes from our voice and, and the words that are produced, they come from what we're thinking and what we've trained our mind to think. Hmm. Slander, dirty language, and yes, lying, all begins in the mind. And so when we understand that, we understand how important it is to God. If we go back even further than Proverbs chapter six, if we go back to Exodus 20, we find the Ten Commandments. Often people think that there were just Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. That's inaccurate. That was just a synopsis. That was just a summary of the Commandments. The Commandments, 613 is one scholar's uh, estimate, 613. But in the summary, in the Ten, God says, do not take my name in vain. And do not bear false witness, two of the 10, 20%. In Proverbs chapter six, it was two of seven. That's nearly 30%. (laughs) Impressive. It's important to God. What we say, how we say it. And God says, I don't want you using my name In a vain way. Now, what is that? What is a vain way? We hear it on television. We watch our television programs and people always use the phrase God in some way or another. And it's like, hmm, haven't you read the scripture? Don't you know that God's not pleased with his name being used in some flagrant, flippant way? You know how important it was to the Hebrew nation when they were told in Exodus 20, when they were there at Mount Sinai and and Moses came down the second time with the the tablets of stone and and the commandment was, do not take the Lord's name in vain. They took that command so seriously that even to this day, we have no idea how to pronounce the Hebrew word for God. They not only didn't say it, They didn't even write it. As you read the original text, if you could read Hebrew, there's a space, there's a four blank space in the Hebrew writings for the term Yahweh. It's just four letters. There's no vowels in, in Hebrew, which makes it very fascinating to try to read it. But they'd leave a blank, a blank space. They wouldn't say it. They wouldn't write it. Why? Because they were afraid They would do so in vain, and they knew God would not be pleased. Hmm. Now, think about our language today. Do we take the same care? Are we concerned as much as the ancient Hebrews? Hmm. Well, Not according to my research, which is limited to some degree. (laughs) But we have to be careful. God says, my name is holy. My name is above all names. Hmm. We go back in scripture and we see how important it was to do things the way God asked, to do things proper, to do it the way it pleased God. There were sons of the high priest, Aaron. His sons were offering strange fire before the Lord. Fire came from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, burnt up his sons, Aaron was told, you can't even grieve for your own sons. Why? Because they were doing things improperly. Now we fast forward to the 21st century and we start looking at how we use God's name and how we approach that particular idea and that particular command. we start to see that we do things just a little bit differently. You see, the words that we speak, define our character, and what defines our character is what we place in our minds, and what we place in our minds is what is available to us from all sorts of of sources, and so I I plead with you, I appeal to you, and I ask, I say, in your search for God, keep looking to his word, keep planting the word of God in your mind. Why? Because the things that come out of your mouth will be coming from what you put into your mind, and what you put into your mind if it's God's word, will be something that pleases God. Now that's quite the challenge. We have in scripture the idea that God's name is holy. It should be awe-inspiring. We use his name in, in so many ways today that We've lost sight of that. And I urge you, consider how you speak. When I introduce myself as a preacher, people often apologize to me for how they talk. And I say, well, thank you, but you ought to take that up with God. Maybe you should apologize to him. Maybe your language what you're putting into your mind and what's coming out of your mouth, maybe what's going in should change. Maybe you should consider that. Maybe it would start by learning the English language. <laughs> Let's start there. Learn some words. And then put God's message, put God's mind into yours. And the only way to do that is to look for him. Look look for him in the scriptures, in the ones that he wrote. You see, our tongues, this little member of our body that James, the brother of our Lord says, can't be tamed. It's the most difficult thing to tame. He said, our tongues are for God. Hmm. They should uh, share things that are good with others. They, share, they should uh, share things that are helpful. Our tongue should be Uh, issuing words that are of an encouragement. There are so many things we can use and so many words that we can use that can be helpful, good, and encouraging. And the scripture says, let's go there. Let's think about those things. Let's put those things in our mind and then share that with others. Seasoned as it were with grace. The words that come out of our mouth Whatever is in your heart, whatever is there determines what you say. A good person produces good things through the treasury of a good heart. And if that's the case, then the other side of that coin is an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. All right, now this becomes quite the challenge. First of all, I have to understand the difference between good and evil. We're living in a society in a day and age when we say there is no such thing. There's no such thing as good or evil. What? Even worse, we're calling what's evil good and what's good evil. Sounds familiar. If you're familiar with the Old Testament prophet of Isaiah, chapter 5, verse 20. Isaiah's is trying to prophesy to the people, trying to preach to the people, saying repent or perish. He says, you're calling the very things that God hates, you're calling those things good. Stop doing that. <laughs> Apparently we have the ability to stop. We're called to stop. And then he says, I want you to turn the whole thing around. I want you to return to me and I want you to do the things that I ask you to do. I want you to call things that are good good. And the things that are evil, evil. Aha. So that makes me a judge. I've got to determine between good and evil. I've got to make that judgment. Oh, we're told, oh, don't judge. You can't judge me. Everybody quotes Matthew 7, 1. Judge not, lest you be judged. Well, they haven't read the rest of Matthew 7. Matthew 7 speaks of hypocritical judgment, with the beam in your eye and the speck in your neighbor's eye. That's the judgment that's condemned. But in John chapter 7, verse 24, it says, judge with righteous judgment. Oh, you mean I can determine what's good and what's evil? Yep. Yeah. How do I do that? Based on God's word. Here's what God's pleased with. Here's what he's not pleased with. I'm going to do the things that he likes. I'm going to look at Proverbs 6, and I'm going to look at the things that God hates, and I'm going to say, I'm going to avoid those. And I'm going to look to the other passages of Scripture that tell us what he uh, implores and he wants from us, and he says, I'm going to do those things. That's the judgment that I must have in my mind. And so, the heart determines what we say. And the heart determines our character. Hmm. And so, Let's think about this as sort of an illustration. It's an odd one. But you've seen those uh, plug and play devices, maybe for your computer, maybe a video game. And basically uh, maybe an app on your phone, you just plug it in, hit the button, boom, go, you're you're on, you're going. And it's a plug and play. So let's let's try that with our tongue. Let's take out the evil tongue, and let's plug in the good one. What? Yeah, let's try that. Let's try putting in the good. And then as we speak, the good comes out. There's an old phrase, garbage in, garbage out. Well, what's the opposite of that? Good in, good out. Hmm. I'm going to start putting the things that are good. Again, the brother of our Lord tells us, he says, Here's what I want you to start thinking about. Here's here's how you make the transition between good and evil. Here's how you start putting the good things into practice. Here's what you do, and here's how you do it. James chapter 4. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. He says, here's what I want to see from you. I want to see humility. I want to see goodness. I want to see you remove the evil. I want to replace that with good. It's a wonderful thing that God has given us this idea of replacing the evil with good. Again, the Apostle Paul would write something similar. I believe this is also in Philippians chapter four, but it's in Philippians chapter four. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. It begins in the mind, in the very heart of the person. And if we're dwelling on those things that are good and we're filling our mind with the, the very message of God, the gospel of the, of Jesus Christ, and we're we're putting that into our minds, we're meditating, like the psalmist says, day and night, and it becomes part of who we are, part of our character. Then the things coming out of our mouth will be the things that please God. Aha. That's the plug and play. Plug in the good. Out comes the good. It's what we have to be careful of, what goes in comes out. And we can say we're not affected by culture. We can say that we're not affected by what we watch on TV or what we read. We can say that all day long. <laughs> but we are. Our mind and our brain and all the way the way it works, the way God has designed us, it's, it's a fascinating uh, system. But what we put in it's going to come out, and if it's evil, if it's impure, if it's vulgar and obscene, it's going to come out at the worst possible moment. <laughs> but if it's good, what are these? What's this list? Whatever is right, honorable, good repute, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise. If our mind's dwelling on those things, then those things are going to be coming out of our mouth. That's the plug-and-play method of the tongue, That's how God says, I've designed you this way, and I believe you can control it. And I've had some experience of that. When I'm around, or when I used to be around my grandmother, I could be very careful with what I said. Why? Because she'd smack me one. (laughs) If I said something inappropriate, she'd smack me. She'd say, George Allen, you want to come back there and smack you one? (laughs) I was very careful with what I said. And then around my wife, I'm very careful about what I say. Very careful. I advise that. (laughs) Apparently, we have control of our tongue. We can control it when we want to. When there's some motivation, God says, I'm giving you the most motivation. Revelation 21.8, there's motivation. That's where it starts. Fear. I don't want to burn in the lake of brimstone and fire and hell. I don't want to burn because I'm a lying dog. I don't want to burn because of, of the lies that come out of my mouth. no. I want to do the things that are good and and right and respectful, awe-inspiring. I want to think of God and and be with him and fill my mind with that image and those words. Hmm. You see, there's a difference. So when we have that as our goal, then we can begin to speak like God's chosen people. Do you have any favorites in the Old Testament? Can you think of your favorite character? I don't know, it's difficult because there's so many. Maybe David, the warrior, the king. Maybe his son Solomon, the wisest man on, on the earth on, on the planet. Maybe go back to Moses. Maybe Abraham, Rahab, Bathsheba, Ruth. Who's your favorite? You see, God chose us just like he chose them. He chose us to be holy. Do you know what that word means? It means set apart for a purpose. God chose us to be holy like he chose that warrior king, like he chose that innkeeper, Rahab, like he chose Those individuals we find in Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the the hall of fame, this hall of faith. All those individuals, they didn't have all the information we have, and yet God chose them to be holy. And he loves us, and he has mercy and kindness toward us. And he says, I've I've chosen you. I've called you out of darkness into, into my marvelous light. I want you with me. And I want you to be gentle and patient with your, with your fellow travelers in this, this journey that we're taking through the wilderness of sin as we approach the gates of heaven. He says, use your words wisely because you'll be held accountable if you don't. And he says, you can use them to so much benefit. There can be so many good things come from the use of our tongue. Learn to forgive Learn to love, learn to be thankful, live at peace. As as much as it depends on you, be at peace with your brothers and sisters. Hmm. You see, there's something about this that should cause us all to pause just for a moment and say, how am I doing on this language thing? How am I doing on my speech? Do I take the Lord's name in vain? Do I lie? Am I an encouragement? Am I gentle and patient and kind? Or is it the other side? Am I angry? Am I bitter? It's a choice. We get to make that choice. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul tells those saints there in in Ephesians four in Ephesus, he says, throw off the old self. That's that plug and play method. Take care of the evil. Take take it out. It's trash. Take it to the to the curb and leave it. But don't leave it empty. Now you need to fill that that void, that emptiness, with something positive, something good. Put on the new self with the thoughts and the attitudes, and you could be like God, righteous and holy. Ah, how about that? You see, it is possible. And when we understand that, when we understand how we can. Uh, uh, make the attempt and do the things that please God. Even when we fail, even when we fall flat, even when we make mistakes, God says, I got you. I understand. Repent. Return to me. That's what he wants. And then he says, I'll bless you. Mm -mm. Let's put off the old tongue. Let's, Let's unplug that old one and plug in the new one. And let's get to work. Saying the things that are right and proper and holy. Recognizing the difference between good and evil. That's God's plan. Follow it and you too will be blessed.